Coming up on The Naughtiest Naughty. It's a charity single, so we probably shouldn't mock it too much. No. Uh, but it is repulsive. And welcome to The Naughtiest Naughty. Isn't it a good title? It's a very good title. It took I'm us ages to think of that one, one yeah. yeah. Love alliteration. Yeah. And just like, it just conjured up a lot of like, naughty naughty. Uh, naughty naughty. Mm. Um, and also a bit of nostalgia and it makes me feel like I need some Botox and a hair transplant. We can do that. On I the think, show? Um, if this gets enough traction, which I'm kind of hoping it does. Uh, then okay. we can say, that, that's what we'll put the money towards first off. That's good. I did get I'm not bothered about like week. rent or anything. I'd rather you got the face you've always dreamed of. Well, the guy that cut my hair last week uh, that suggested I had a hair transplant told me he has a friend that can do it in Turkey for £700, which was a nice hair experience. Thanks for that, mate. Would you be up for that? How I much? Don't is, know. Is that, does that include flights? No. That uh, was the actual process. You get, a, you get to go to Turkey, though. Yes, well, it was a weird experience. So I've always, I've never wanted one, always looked at Wayne Rooney and thought 30 grand and it's fallen back mm. out again. But then whenever he said 700 quid and he then tried to sell me, these are the best hair transplant doctors in the world. I'm like, it's Turkey. They really aren't. Googled it. And actually it's so cheap in Turkey because it has so many options and they're actually quite well qualified. And mm. um, it was the first time I'd ever considered it. So future, I don't know what the future holds. But uh, it was the first time I'd actually sat down and considered it and could do with a week away mm. in Turkey. Mm. You know? Well, you do you. I will say the Roonies didn't look that good anyway. Like he got his no. done and it still looked awful. But for 700 quid, if it falls out again and the scarring's not too bad and you're going to be bald yeah, anyway, no you know, harm, at least you tried. No harm, no foul, is it really? No, yeah. I am very big on just like accepting what your the, the natural body gave you. Mm. But, you know, you never know. Well, as a, as a friend, I have to accept and support whatever you choose. Oh, thanks, babe. Um, but That's sweet. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll do a Kickstarter or a Patreon <laughs> sort of thing. We'll try and raise some funds for that. Good. Um, I think we should get to the, to the point of this and not yeah. just talk about hair transplants. Although <laughs> I'm, I'm thrilled to talk about anything like that, really, at all. Uh, the idea of this is that we are on a quest to find the very, very best song of the decade that was the noughties absolutely incredibly as we record this we're now 20 years away from the noughties which is scary very scary what age would you have been uh and say 2000 at the start of the 2000 i'd have been three about to turn four and you were a teenager i would have been 16 in 2000 well there you go so at the peak of my kind of musical knowledge you know when you're 16 and you know every single thing that's in the charts really yeah yeah uh-huh. Worrying time, because then, a few years later, university hits. Mm. Uh-huh. And that's a different mm. experience of music completely. Mm. And I'd been starting primary school. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. I, I, I don't want this whole thing to be um, troubling for you at all. I'm sure it'd be troubling for me as well, uh, just as we go through. But I will, yeah. I will say that these like first few years... There's a lot of stuff that I was not totally familiar with. Mm-hmm. It basically is like Steps, Westlife and S Club. Uh, the question comes around of like, what was the first album you ever bought? What's the first single you bought? I have no idea. But I do know it was probably Steps Gold mm-hmm. or S Club's first album. Or maybe like a Westlife album. Right, okay. Westlife I never purchased. Or maybe Five. The thing is, like, I think by by the time we're starting this, Five are pretty much gone. I think Keep On Moving was like 98, 99, so... Yeah. Five were the dream. I think yeah. they were like the favourite boy band of the era at that point. And um, they were pretty special five in many mm. respects compared to other boy bands. Westlife couldn't get on board with, and I don't know whether it was because it was too close to home because they were uh, Irish. We Irish boys. Or if it was because people were bitter that 
a new boy band were on the scene that weren't Boyzone. Mm. And the whole marketing attempt at the time for Westlife was that they were managed by Ronan Keating or discovered by Boyzone and they've put them in their tracks on purpose. Um, difficult times, but yeah, uh, uh, girlfriends at the time, big on Westlife. Girls ah. in Ireland, just generally, big on Westlife. Everybody, big on Westlife. You went into a shop that sold stools, everybody got on the stool oh, and stood God, up yeah. pretending to be in Westlife. Yeah. I had a cousin... I think my, I think this cousin might have passed away recently. Um, who looked like one of the ones at a Westlife? I think Mark. All oh, right, okay. Yeah, the one that could sing. Yeah, mm-hmm. the one that could sing. The one that had the one that sort of looked interested about being there. Yeah, I've kind of got. This, we're, we're, funnily enough, we're going to start with Westlife. So yeah, the way this is going to work is we're going to go through each month. We're going to look at tracks that were in the top 10 of the UK official right. charts so it's kind of like it's quite a tight cut off point there had to have been a really big hit to make the list I think I've, I've made a note of some tracks that didn't even make the top 10 but maybe are worth factoring in that we'll cover at some point down the line honourable mentions honourable mentions that just unfortunately are not eligible for this contest oh, okay. if, if we expanded it out it would become a wild wild west of all sorts of shit right. so um, wild wild west is that, that, that's, that's 90s isn't it awful <laughs> terrible, really? Yeah, terrible. My uh, my flatmate Tom has been playing uh, Will Smith Men in Black a lot recently. Okay, in the house, uh-huh. and I can I can agree with that. Yeah, we I can had agree a, with that. Well, there was a dance routine to it, wasn't it? Whenever you did, everybody just slide. Everybody with, just slide, just slide. Just there was a dance routine that yeah. lads at our school discos would do. Right, they would do it, and um, whereas I was just free, I would do anything. But oh, yeah. other the other guys that kind of thought of themselves as masculine men would come in and slide about to Will Smith. That's fair enough. Mm-hmm. When uh, we had our school discos, probably about this sort of time, really, but um, all the lads would get in a line and we'd just sort of stand blank faced and just sort of like wave our hands back and forth just to kind of really piss off the girls who were giving it everything. <laughs> we would all just look as sarcastic and as indifferent as possible, and it was great. Yeah. Happy days. We had school discos, and this is what shocks everybody. We had proper school discos every second week. Every what? second Thursday, it was a massive, massive deal. So in the 90s in Northern Ireland, there was a lot of kind of cross-community projects needed to exist. So um, the school I went to would invite people from the other two schools, the other two high schools in the town. So you had to be at high school level. Well, um, that, wouldn't, that wouldn't be, that wouldn't be safe in the northeast, bringing rival schools together for anything like we that. We all came together and we oh, would no. rave. Like, we would actually rave, <laughs> properly rave. At 11 years old, I looked like I was at Creamfields. And that Jeez. was that was that was just our thing. So everybody knew pretty much dance music and party music and stuff that you could slide about to, plus romantic stuff because mm. we had erection sections where you slow dance. What uh, they were what? called the erection sections. Why do you think it was called the erection section? Something to do with tents. Lego, no, right? Uh-huh. It was about the body-to-body contact and potentially pitching a tent in oh. your best tracksuit. So I wasn't best far off. Yeah, I wasn't this, far uh, off. Yeah, the erection section. So we knew Shania Twain, we knew Aerosmith, a lot of country and western stuff from Ireland. But every second week, Limavady High School, <laughs> the Raven, the Cave. <laughs> Big deals. Blimey, Charlie. They were brilliant, like they were good. Anyway, we'll we'll move from erections into Westlife, <laughs> um, who had the very first number one single of the year 2000. They carried over from Christmas. They were the Christmas number one of 1999. Mm-hmm. They beat Cliff Richard, who we'll get to in a bit, because he unfortunately was also in the year 2000. Uh, they released a double single, back when that was a thing, when you released two songs at the same time. You yeah. have an A-side and a B-side. Uh, it's a thing of the past. Doesn't happen anymore now just long gone uh, and let, let me, how do you even describe these two singles because which one's the A side which is the B side are they actually both like Z sides they're both terrible 
it all depended on what side of the cassette they physically were on. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. but just in terms of quality, they're both pretty basement. Yeah, aye. So the first one was I Have a Dream, okay. which sounds a bit like this. It's an it's a nice churchy vocal, isn't it? It's a very churchy vocal. It's, okay. it's even got like a kids choir at the end, yeah, which means I, it loses like a million points for it me. It's a bit Christmassy. I just I reject it because I was a Spice Girls fan, mm. and that was the first non-Christmas number one that they'd had in a row. So ah. they'd had all the Christmas number ones for the years before that, and this is the first time they didn't have a Christmas number one. So I have a negative reaction to that track. You had Westlife voodoo dolls that you're putting pins in. Pretty much, yeah. Take that, Kian. Yeah. Um and I can remember my girlfriend really fancied them at the time, so there was there was that really it was a bit of jealousy. I felt threatened. What if she wanted to run Did off? Did you have your own stool? Uh, we had five around our breakfast bar in Limavati, mm. yeah. So um I'm just thinking I'm just just picturing you kinda of like just she comes over, you just sort of put one to one side and go like Yeah. I'm not convinced my rhythm was good back then, but it's a it's a it's a big thing. It's a timing, isn't it? I think if I was at Westlife and it's the timing of getting off the stool and doing the big stand up moment, yeah, I, th- I think I'd probably knock the stool over. I just like I can't get out of chairs. I can't get out of chairs like going, oh, yeah. So it'd be like I have a dream. There's probably a whole podcast to be done on whether or not they get out of the chair well. Mm. Do they do it in sync? I can't even remember how meticulous they they've were. They've got to so. hit the key change, haven't they? They've got to hit yeah. that key change like bang. So back then. You didn't have to be precise with your dance moves. You could be loose with oh them God, yeah. and getting I, I, off the chair. Whereas that changed in the noughties. The number of videos I've seen this week of like nineteen ninety nine songs that kind of crept across, mm-hmm. and the dancing is pretty shoddy. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, the video for this track is incredible. Obviously, they all roll up in a big black car. Uh, looking really badass in like leather jackets and then they go on to sing the lamest song of the entire decade and I'm saying this on the very that's the very first song of this entire show and I think it's probably the lamest song of all of them that's just offensive to cows you know <laughs> bringing the beef there in your big leather jackets <laughs> and then singing that badly and that terrible oh. lyricism you know and some very re- regrettable haircuts I've got to say as well yeah it's I, a lot of like curtains isn't it like proper like split down the middle oh, like loved blonde curtains. blonde bob yeah uh-huh. Curtains were br- girls loved curtains. Oh yeah, gel, brill cream. Mm. The the it was all together perfect. But will that come back around? I feel like we're closer to curtains being a thing again. I feel like you see it. I feel mm. like you actually do see that kind of thing these days, though, because like the noughties and sort of nineties nostalgia is kind of in at the moment, and you yeah. do see lads who've got curtains, and it takes a certain kind of pull that off. Like when I go yeah. to the barbers, I just say, just like just. Do, do a bit on the back do a bit on the top and some people go in there with like a full on like do this I want this and I want this and I'm just like that's such it's so specific just make it short Make just let my ears breathe again like just I, I don't want I don't want, like <laughs> this happens every now and again if it gets too long I haven't had a haircut in five months I've just been for a haircut this week I'm glad you noticed and um Occasionally, if it gets too long, they kind of like the hairs go in the ears and uh, it gets all waxy and stuff. Not yeah, ma- no. not massively, but enough. So maybe I should go and get the curtains because that wouldn't happen if there was a knack to curtains. So with curtains, if you were if you were really hardcore, you'd get the undercut, Ooh. so the sides would get shaved, the curtains would get lifted up, and you would razor kind of pretty much right up, nice and high, and the curtains would flop down the sides. Yeah. But there was a knack to curtains where some people were big. Especially, I don't know if it's an English thing. There was, in my memory, they were very gelled in England. But mm. where I came from, there was a knack to getting them natural without having to put any product in them. And I used to 
brush at a brush and I would brush forward to <laughs> plough the field that would get my perfect line and then I would do my flicks to the right flicks to the left and then I would take the front of them and I would spray it because I had this spray bottle with just water in it twist them like sort of take the fronts and twist them and then like kind of lean them back onto the top of my head and I'd wear a cap for 20 minutes and they would dry twisted and then whenever I would take the cap off and untwist it I just had these massive hooks I looked like a McDonald's sign mm. I had this massive mm. McDonald's sign in the front of my face and the rest of my, my not a bit of gel in sight but the rest of it was sitting flawlessly oh the commitment the, on reflection was probably I probably had baseball cap hairline the whole way around mm, but possibly. the bulk of the the curtain was perfect oh I see it's a commitment I couldn't be asked with every morning no problem at all that's discipline for you sitting at your Cocoa Pops with uh, the baseball cap on drying your curtains the dream the absolute dream <laughs> um, so that's the oh actually I'll, I'll mention because it has the I feel that like we're going to hear this quite a lot in this decade it has that typical pop sound of the yeah you get them like, between like bridge and chorus or like verse and chorus you get the Mm-hmm. That sort of sound. This was the first appearance of that. I feel like oh, it's right, going to okay. just of this decade. Mm-hmm. And we're only on song one. It does. Yeah. It does recur. Okay. It's kind of a staple. It's just a bit of a. It's a bit of a crutch. It's a bit of a staple. Mm-hmm. You can hear it a lot. And I also noticed a, a, for the video certainly big wide mouths. You see a lot with steps as well. Every word is pronounced very well. Yeah. The fake. What's it called? Mouthing. What do you call that? In the lip syncing. The lip syncing mm. was particularly emphasised in this era oh yeah um, and it, it sometimes did reflect what people were singing like mm. but then Britney Spears came along and kept lip syncing but sticking her tongue out at points where you wouldn't stick your L. tongue out in the middle of a word uh, which L. was a bit odd to watch yeah but yeah. I think um, do we, do we, can we declare a, an award for the lip sync I think maybe Claire from Steps I th- was I th- the I think over oh, when you watch sinker. when you watch her videos just the, the enunciation of every still mm-hmm. is ridiculous yeah um, it must hurt it, it must hurt like, your face yeah. that, hurt, that hurt me just doing that now I think if you're going to do a music video back then and this is where I would like to know Claire were you singing I want to get her on yeah well we could probably get Faye on she lives right in the corner well I was going to say mm-hmm. yeah but where, do they when people lip sync do they sing full belt the words to make sure that the lips really I, match I think the actual you, you see that some video. do and some don't see a lot of it is like the technique of a lot of video videos is where they will do the whole thing of trying to look really badass and doing it in slow motion mm-hmm. so they're singing the song the right speed but the video is slowed down yeah. so it means because I watched there was like an end, back when I was in the end dubs I'm not, I'm not sure if end dubs cross into this decade they might have been 2010s Mm-hmm. I'm not too sure. I know oh, we do see them at some point. We do, we do, we do. Anyway, okay. I watched a video of them doing a behind the scenes of their video, and they did the whole badass slow motion thing. Did they just play the song really fast? They have to lip sync really fast to the song <laughs> just so it can be slowed down and played regular speed. It's yeah. so weird, but it, it's like it's quite cool. Mm-hmm. That's quite an art form in itself of like doing the song like twice speed. I once interviewed a vocalist who, whenever we discussed the song, and said it's quite upbeat for you. She said we sang it as a ballad because ah. it was supposed to be a ballad and whenever I heard the final production it was like six times faster and I thought this isn't going to work when I've got to do live performances <laughs> of this so she is stuck with this really really fast for, it sounds great yeah. but she's like it it's takes a challenge. it out of me oh, whenever yeah. I'm performing it uh, because it's it's four times the speed to mm. what it was I reckon in this decade we started to see the end of lip syncing like Top of the Pops kind of outlawed lip syncing yeah. like for a long time that was the default like if you went on Top of the Pops you had to lip sync yeah. and then some bands kind of went against the grain and like just made a big point of the fact that they would not lip sync so they just didn't do anything yeah. and just made it whereas this decade people start to perform live more and we've we've had this conversation before mm-hmm. of you see the ones who are good at the live performances and you see the ones that are bad at the live performances yeah. uh-huh. 
Like you get the isolated vocals of some performances, and you go, "Oh wow!" I they, love they, listening they, they to can't isolated sing. vocals where you can find them too, because then you kind of see who is like a, an Olympian of music, really. And mm-hmm. you understand when some people have isolated vocals that actually, yeah parts of it will be rough because you know you're stepping in and out of dance routines especially if you're in like a a band you know if you're like a solo artist you can step away from your dance routine because you can just step back in with your dancers because they keep it going yeah but if you're in like a boy band or a girl band and you need your break to catch yourself up or you need to get yourself like vocally lined up um you can't really step out because you put everybody else off but if you have a crew behind you the crew keep going Whereas if you've got like colleagues and business partners, it doesn't work like that. I'd love to be in a like a sort of um, changing room after a big gig when somebody's fucked up like that. Yeah, I'd the love amount to hear of that. arguments. Like imagine, imagine the Spice Girls going at each other. Uh-huh. Victoria sat on the corner, like, yeah, yeah, I've heard it all before. Just shut up, man. I'm not interested. <laughs> but like, there, I can imagine someone like um, Mel C probably having a right good go. Mm-hmm. So what the fuck are you fucking doing? Well, they, so they, back to the Spice Girls, did they not do, they sang at the Brits. What did they sing at the Brits? They did Who Do You Think You Are? Mm. And they did that big one. And then, then there was hell on because they were like, they didn't sing that live. So the next year they came back and sang Stop and they sang it live. Mm. And it was dead strange because you didn't really see, by that point, you hadn't really seen pop bands come out and sing and dance and then they did that black and white thing where yeah. the camera all started in black and white and they whipped off coats and then the colour came into it all. Yeah. But they did that live, which was great Gr- because Mel C starts in the wrong key yeah. as well, which yeah. is really odd because she's the one that yeah. nails every little bit of it. And for her to get something wrong was just a bit shocking. Unless it was on purpose to be like, they're live. Um, yeah. Possibly. Mm-hmm. Just a way of being like, I see. Yeah. Doubting us all this time, pricks. Love pop music. Oh, I know. Mm-hmm. Well, a good job because this podcast is what that's about. Good. <laughs> Um, we'll quickly mention Seasons in the Sun which was the B-side we had joy we had fun we had seasons in the sun but the hills that we climbed were just seasons at a time goodbye papa please pray for me Brian McFadden takes the lead on this one really like he's the first person does the verse yeah um, this one's even more cringe than the last one do they not say bye bye papa Goodbye, Papa. It's time to die, yeah. or whatever. No, actually, the, the lyric is "Good my goodbye, my friend. It's hard to die." Is I've written that down because it's just like it's such a stark lyric to hear in a pop song. Yeah. It's worth noting that the original of this song was from 1961. Yeah, and I think people need to be more cautious about the fact you can't unhear or unsee some things. Mm. So that probably didn't ever really need to happen. No. That was capitalism. That was just pure oh, capitalism. Yeah. I think we're going to see a lot of that this decade yeah, as well. Yeah. Yeah, Brian McFadden's very cringe, but I think the one thing I've noticed from all of this is that he's probably the one who kind of cares the least. Like, he's mm-hmm. the one who looks the most out of place in Westlife. The rest of them all kind of give it the whole... Because it's a lot of the whole, like, tit-grabbing thing. It's all yeah. the whole thing of, like, pounding the chest and the arms and the sort of, like, giving it all that when on set, they're probably all, you know, just despise their mm-hmm. lives and hate their... Because Westlife are quite, a, on the surface, quite a pure, sterile kind of band of just, like... We're here to sell the records for the mums and the daughters and the girlfriends. Yeah. But the lives they must live off. I mean, we saw one of them at Bongo's Bingo and he was trolleyed. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was Brian, oh, actually. Yeah, it was, it was it Brian, was Brian yeah. yeah. wasn't it? But he's the blondest. Did they just kick the blonde one out? Like that time Possibly. the turtle chucked out Louise Redknapp. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm, maybe. Pure beef. Yeah. Um, yeah, goodbye, goodbye, my friend. It's hard to die when all the birds are singing in the sky. Now that spring is in the air, pretty girls are everywhere. Okay. Uh-huh. 
Uh-huh. Yeah. But again, a very moody, minimal video, black and white, slow-mo, all that kind of like, yeah, we're mm. so sexy and cool. There was a um, budget back then as well, wasn't there? People used to go places for music videos and then it started yeah. to change. I feel like this, this one was just them on white backgrounds, really, black was and white, it? looking moody. Yeah. Probably most of the budget was spent on the sort of, the, the sort of skin-tight jumpers they were mm-hmm. wearing at the time. But um, no, I, 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 just, I just can't see action, past the they? dead eyes. I just can't see past the dead solar size of Brian McFadden. There's mm-hmm. nothing behind there. He, he, his light had turned out he by was that too point. Busy off party of the good room at that point was it? No, it was Kerry Katona. Kerry Katona first. Yeah. Kerry on the sesh. Aye. Aye. Mm-hmm. There's a Brian McFadden song in the mid noughties which we'll obviously get to eventually. But um, it's called Real to Me. And I'm obsessed with it just because it's just he just talks about real things as if he's a real person. But it's like, no, you're a pop star. You're Brian McFadden. Like, it's just ridiculous. Just uh-huh. like, stop it. But um, yeah, when we get to that, we'll have a good laugh about that. So that's Westlife Seasons in the Sun. It kept Cliff Richard off top spot at Christmas. He had already, I think he already had been number one by this point, And he'd, he'd sunk back down again. Mm-hmm. But he, he was fuming he missed out on Christmas number one, as I'm sure you can imagine Cliff be. Richard being. Mm-hmm. My, my grandma loves Cliff Richard. Um my, me and my mum obviously hate Cliff Richard because we're just just not that way inclined. We used to do a feature on him when I did a breakfast show years ago, um, Cliff on a Cliff, which was always called Christmas because he was on a mm-hmm. cliff. What's the one he's on a cliff? He stands on top of like the White Cliffs of Dover and sways. Is it Saviour's Day? It might be Saviour's Day. Saviour's Day. We just always thought it was ironic that Cliff was on a cliff. Cliff on a cliff. Cliff on a cliff. I think a lot of people, uh, me included after hearing this song, would quite like to be just give him a little nudge just a little <laughs> tap see it's that difficult. wasn't a death threat by the no, way it was no. just a joke we have Daniel O'Donnell in Ireland you see so, <gasps> oh yeah um, we, we, that means oh, we, we st- get to we experience st- we, we still get him as well yeah we is. still get him here yeah mm-hmm. we had a Daniel O'Donnell shop oh, in our me. town which was a music sh- store and I think he, he came and opened it nice I'm glad he could give the time mm-hmm. um, it's a charity single so probably shouldn't mock it too much no uh, but it is repulsive it sort of makes you wish that Y2K was a real thing yeah aye because um, for those I mean we'll, we'll, we'll play a little thing now our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as in it's basically all Lang Syme, but with the Lord's Prayer, isn't it? So it's like, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And it makes you realise just how long the Lord's Prayer actually is. Like when you do it at school, you just read the first first mm-hmm. verse or second verse. Yeah. Um, but this one goes on for fucking ages. My friend Jodie actually referred to this as a jam. <laughs> it's one of her favourite songs of all time. It's anything but a jam. Prayer is a jam. Oh no! Uh-huh. It's anything but anything no. but. Um, yeah, I wish it was as short as it was when we did it in school. Uh, I actually prefer it when it was done in school. I think it was more tuneful when it was done by a bunch of like four or five year old kids going Ah Father who art in heaven as opposed to Cliff doing oh, again. The video is very cringe as well. It's like it's Cliff Richard green screen but black background and he has like lots of atrocities going on in the background like you know child poverty and attacks and that kind of stuff and it's just like how ironic that all these atrocities in the background and there's one happening right in the foreground as well Cliff is this the song that killed Christianity perhaps has it just declined since this actual point was it peak Christianity and then it downhilled that After is my that, friend Jody called it a jam. That is a massive <laughs> fight. That is a massive, massive battle to pick. That isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's. Maybe we've just unearthed something there. Well, 
Uh, I don't recall any more Christian songs appearing in the top ten of this no. year. This year, certainly, maybe ever again. Mm-hmm. So you might be right. Maybe. Maybe Cliff killed Source killed Cliff. Jesus. Ironic, after somebody who loves him so much <laughs> stuck a dagger right in the heart. Um, the thing about Cliff is he looks both sincere and insincere at the same time when he's performing the song. Obviously, we know he's really, really into the whole Jesus thing, and that's mm-hmm. fair enough. Um, but there's just, again, there's a sort of deadness behind the eyes. You just sort of think, like, it's a commercial enterprise. Yeah. I do feel like he has a heart of gold, really, but at the same time, wouldn't want to cross him. No, I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. I feel that's a lot. Of, it's the same for a lot of religious people. It's kind of like they have the, they have the fear of God, don't they? And they they have the power to smite. Mm-hmm. And if there's one thing I don't want, it's to be smited. Yeah. So I'll probably just stay on the good side. Yeah. No, stay on the good side of Cliff. But definitely not the best song of January oh, 2000. No. I only made it through three of the four and a half minutes of this song. Because once you've heard the first two verses, you've kind of got the idea, haven't you? To be fair, you got in deeper than I did with some of them. Mm. That's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I did try my very hardest to get through as much of them as possible. Like, I did really, really try. Mm-hmm. There are some that just tested my patience too much, which I'm sure we'll get to. I will say that the, the uh, Millennium Prayer has been named the worst number one of <gasps> all time by many, many people. Yeah, so it's safe to say it's probably not going to make it anywhere near the top of our list. Also in this year, John Lennon, Imagine, was re-released. Imagine all the people Living for today I think it would be quite easy just to say, well, it's considered the best song ever by most people so yeah. surely it's the best song of the decade because of the fact that it's the best song ever it really can't be because of what's about to happen next <laughs> what's about to happen next the next track we're going to go on to in a bit but uh, <laughs> yeah it is quite poetic that <laughs> imagined by John Lennon which actually on the record I don't actually like that much anyway um, I'm, I'm fine with it it's grand but does it light me up? Does it make me... What would Marie Kondo say? Does it make you sparkle? It doesn't make me sparkle. Oh, I've been meaning to watch Marie Kondo forever. doesn't make me sparkle. Oh, I've no. never actually watched her. I'm just quoting my wife, quoting Marie Kondo or Kondo. That's fair. Kondo? Kondo, Kondo, yeah. Kondo. Mm-hmm. Um, I think The Good Place does a better idea of all the stuff that John Lennon says, the TV programme, because he talks about all the philosoph- ph- philosophical yes. good place, bad place sort of things. Uh-huh. And that TV show does it in a much more entertaining way. Are we saying that we now don't need John Lennon when we've got a cheaty? Exactly, that, that is exactly what I'm saying. John Lennon is oh, old news. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I wouldn't. I see. I've I listened to a podcast uh, that Russell Kane did, which is like all about figures in history and kind of going through whether they're a good person or a bad person. Uh-huh. And John Lennon did some shit. Oh, did he? Oh God, I don't know yeah. How much the Beatles were not. John Lennon part of is cancelled. Me neither, really. Mm-hmm. I heard a dance remix of "Come Together" this week, like a drum and bass remix. Yeah. And I sort of thought I know they've had all the licensing problems over the years Of like who owns the material and stuff But I sort of feel like Paul McCartney And the other one Would probably quite approve of a drum and bass remix That come together It was popping Yeah I think so Mm -hmm. I'd I'd be curious to know what they thought We'll try and get them on (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It came back again in 2007 But only got a 75 So take that John You're you're basic But the question there is With the chart sometimes Is what number is it actually at every week Because some things are Mm. just always Close to the top 40 They just don't make it into the top 40 Ed Sheeran You know Well well, these days yeah Yeah Mm -hmm. 
So yeah, you've already alluded to the fact that John Lennon sit next to um, <laughs> Mr. Hanky the Christmas Pooh from South Park. That is a jam. Uh, let's hear a little bit. I'm Mr. Hanky the Christmas Pooh. Right, that's enough. I've heard enough. <laughs> um, the thing about Mr. Hanky the Christmas Pooh is that I've always considered myself, but I, I, I love comedy first and foremost, and I quite like scatological poo-based humour yeah because farts are funny farts are brilliant like fart, I, I watched a film last night called The Lighthouse um, and it's just it's just two guys stuck in a lighthouse basically it's like set in the 1800s and they just sort of like get drunk a lot and fart a lot <laughs> and um, I just laughed at every fart and mm-hmm. I could tell the couple next to me were kind of like not laughing at the fart I'm sure at one point the girlfriend said to the boyfriend he's just laughing at all the farts <laughs> do you know what it is though right whenever you get older you become like a laughter snob yeah. and you know you, you, you shun things and I think I'm not saying you should just be obsessed with toilet humour oh, but not, I think no. it's really important to never lose sight of how funny a fart can be because then if you can't laugh at a fart you're just too uptight oh, no. if, 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 there's a, if it ever comes a day where I can't laugh at a well-timed fart uh-huh. just take us up back and finish us off well this week I discovered one of my friends always has one in the, the chamber and if I ask her to fart she can fart on the that's spot that's impressive and when we were at school we had this thing which was silence please everybody freeze da 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 so you had to somebody had to be able to fart in the room on cue and I do think that actually I'm going to try that a few times with her mm. um, in public places and mm. in work environments to see if she can pull off the, the, the finale of the song she's also got a barrel in the gun yeah always uh, loaded it's probably prairie dog to be fair oh dear mm-hmm. um, the thing about Mr. Hanky the Christmas Pooh is though it made me question everything I've ever found funny that's see that could be another turning point where <sighs> actually toilet humour got murdered I think it did I mean, it got really high in the charts. I forget what position. I think it was like number five in the charts mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, it did make me question. I, I, I like, I, like I say, I like all that kind of stuff, but I don't need that much detail about like yeah. anal passages and the consistency of the poo. Yeah. I just, I just don't like it as a premise. Were we satisfied with chocolate salty balls in previous years? Uh, the thing is, I heard it recently. And I was just like, it's not as funny as I remember. Yeah. I think once you've heard it once, you've heard it enough. Yeah. I heard it as a kid for the first time, like back on the music channels back in the day. Um, and I thought it was hilarious. But I think I was about seven. Mm-hmm. I heard it again as a 23-year-old last few weeks. And um, yeah, I didn't find that as funny. Maybe we're going to learn from this that we just need to lighten up. Is this going to be the thing? Do we need to oh, lighten no, up? No, I don't. I, 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 I think I think there's there's plenty of stuff to be happy in life about okay. but we could do without Mr. Hanky the Christmas Pooh yeah I think we're on agreement there the next one though I'm gonna put my hand out now I don't know how to do that I'm just gonna put my hand on the desk anyway <laughs> um, I think it was gonna be it was gonna be like a big momentous thing but it probably isn't this one might be a contender for best of the month I do think this is a contender for the best of the month I keep thinking though it's like I, w- I kind of want to pick out some tracks that are just like under the radar we forgot about these they're total bangers and they are like a a, a, a dark horse I've never forgotten this one this is nowhere near a dark horse this is one of the most obvious ones of the decade where you just kind of go yeah this is shit hot this changed everything this just brought garage music to everybody yeah it was big Artful Dodger Featuring Craig David, yep. who's not in the music video because at this point he was anybody. Uh huh. And re rewind. Yeah, 
Yeah, absolute jam. Like, just such a brilliant, brilliant track. And uh, just garage music just became accessible. It's like mm. the rise of grime that we're seeing today. This yeah. was the track that turned everything. It just changed everything. And people were like, I like that noise. There's a new noise I've not heard before. Boink. Yeah. That, I mean, like, that's just that iconic. Is iconic. That just, is it like, you would call, would you call it a drip in theory? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that drip. It's just, a, like it's just a boink. Mm-hmm. It's just it's it's onomatopoeia perfect. Just boink. Perfect. Um, it was the big breakthrough of Craig David, yeah. who had just recorded like a demo. It got taken on and it got turned into a whole thing. I think he re-recorded the vocals to kind of make it into the the complete package. But at this point, he was not really a, it wasn't really a thing. Like the video I watched last night was like taken off a music channel, and it just had Artful Dodger re rewind yeah. written by Craig David. But he wasn't considered like mm-hmm. a big part of the track. And then from there, he just went. You know, oh, massive, huge. Massive, massive. It was the big breakthrough, but also his undoing because it had that phrase that went on to be the stick that he got beaten yeah. with for, uh, well, still to this day. Bo Selector started in what, 2003? Must have been, maybe, yeah. So for 17 years now, Craig David mm-hmm. has been proper Bo. Yeah. And um, he's. he's it's it's been it's been a tumultuous thing, isn't it? Because for a long time he was he hated it, and it did kind of finish him off for a little while. Uh-huh. He's now risen from the ashes like a phoenix, and he's come back huger than ever. Uh, but for a long time, Lee Francis and Avid Merrion had him by the bollocks. He did. Craig David, like I really like Craig, and he's had. I think he's had a really difficult run because he was, in theory, probably at this era, he was the first person that was a pop star that came out and talked music passion Mm. whereas everybody else at that point had a press release they knew what they had to say and the aim of their existence was to pretend that they were really normal and lived the same life as anybody just living in a state in whatever state in England it is and Craig David used to come out and he used to be like I like the flow I like the lyrics and he talked about the music and people were like you prick (laughs) who's this kid (laughs) what the fuck are you talking about (laughs) and then you know actually What's happened then is he was just way ahead of his time yeah. because then um, through reality TV shows and all of those bits and pieces, by the time you get to 2010, people are then talking like he did in the year 2000 mm. and it's not offensive. So mm. then he comes back in what, 20, what was it? 20, when did he do the Craig or the, the Justin Bieber? 2015, I think it was. So he, he does that and people are like, who's this kid? I, you know, I, to- the version I, of I totally forgot that that was the thing that got was. him back. That was, mm-hmm. the, that was like... it. it it was just such a huge moment. Yeah. I think we had enough time between, like, the whole fallout. We kind of missed him. He came mm-hmm. back. And he really capitalised. Like, yeah. that was such a big moment doing that, like, that, that like, filming yeah. and freestyle. And well, he'd never looked back. He was like an alien of his time. So, like, the way that he behaved back then was weird. But actually he fits in now and everybody Mm. speaks like him about music you know people talk about the actual creative process and why they make music and they don't you know I think with reality TV programs have shown that the the girl and boy next door doesn't doesn't fit anymore Mm. that's not what we're looking for we're looking for somebody who's complete next level out of this world Beyonce kind of approach but he fits now and yeah. he's, he's probably fit in since 2009 2010 people started to speak like he did in advance and I love the fact he fits again yeah, yeah, because yeah. he's not that annoying but it was annoying in 2000 yeah. because you can't be you can't have Just the way the like world something was. you can't be passionate about something and be famous you can't have a, a political stance and be famous you know, unless it's for tabloid spin, it mm. was just him being him. In some ways, Craig David fell on the sword, didn't he? Yeah. He, he took the L just so that everyone else he 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 t- he took that yeah. force mm-hmm. so that everyone else could go and do what he did, and he's kind of come back into it now. So you know, he's, he hasn't totally suffered out of it. But no, he, he paved the way. Yeah. But he never went away. So like, I get a lot of music sent to my inboxes, and I've had Craig David tracks constantly, and he's produced. I think I swear. 
I think I, I was in a studio once, name drop, with Connor Maynard. Do you remember Connor Maynard? Mm. And I swear that Craig David was producing his tracks and all the conversations I had with him were about how great Craig was. Mm. And um, then I remember getting an, adult, an, an album sent through, which was a Craig David album, which was loads of Four Tops tracks. So it was all ah, old stuff. And he covered... Um, Standing in the Shadows of Love and his version of it's class yeah and it got sent to all radio stations and all people everybody ignored it he got shunned we played it yeah but it was as a production it was great flawless mm. but well done to Craig what a what a comeback did, did Kraken and this is where it all began we're going to see plenty more of Craig as the decade goes by so we've reached the end of episode one we've got through six songs January obviously being the first month of the entire series is naturally going to be the most songs because they're all new they're all untapped into so we've kind of covered a small bit of ground so far and it was pretty special because of the first songs of the millennium yeah 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 uh, uh, we've got so many more to come in January and there's 34 songs this month to cover we've got through six so far so January might take a little while but still so much good stuff to come but we we need to do the most important part of this entire quest now and based on what's happened so far, we need to pick. So, to recap what's been going on, the songs we've heard so far today have been Westlife, I Have a Dream. Could be. <clears throat> uh, Westlife, Seasons in the Sun, Cliff Richard, The Millennium Prayer, John Lennon, Imagine, Mr. Hanky, The Christmas Poo, <laughs> and let's face it, the winner, <laughs> Artful Dodger, Re Rewind. It has to be Artful Dodger. Yeah, there's it no, has there's, to be I was going to put like a little, but there's no point, is there? Because this month has been pretty, pretty crap. So far. So far. Um, especially Mr. Hanky, The Christmas Poo, which is literal crap. Small and brown, and he comes from you. Oh, don't please. I don't want to revisit that. Um, so there you go. It's, it's, it's simple as that. The winner so far for both of us. Is Artful Dodger featuring Craig David Rewind? Rewind. When the crowd say Bo. Selector. Nice. Next time on The Noise Noy, we will have some S Club 7. Ooh. There will be some steps. Wow. There will be some William Orbit. Really? Yeah. There will be some Pet Shop Boys. (gasps) And there will be some Venga Boys. Amazing. Which boys are better, Venga or Pet Shop? Oh. You'll find out next time. Uh, Thank you for listening. If you want to join in, We'd love to hear what you've got to say about these songs. We want your little voice notes about the songs individually, or if you've got like a winner so far, we want you to be involved. So tweet us at naughty00pod, email naughty00pod at gmail.com. Voice notes, tweets, emails, you name it, pictures. I'd love some pictures and videos of that time. I just think there's so much. I think when you, <laughs> I, I'm going to go through my, I've got photo albums of me as a kid, like birthday parties and stuff. So I'll try and find some and get them on the Twitter page. We didn't have pictures of me when I was that young, luckily, so there'll be no evidence of me having existed through that time. I want to see the curtains. Honestly. honestly. I want to see the curtains. There's not many of the curtains, mind. There's not that many curtain shots. They do exist, but yeah. Just um, just look at Brian McFadden and darken his hair. There you go. We could Photoshop that, couldn't we? We could do, yeah. I'm going to go home and do that now. (laughs) (laughs) Right, join us next week for another episode of The Naughty Snorty. Scott, it's been a pleasure as always. Thank you very much. Let's do it again next time. 